Welcome to another episode of the Saxo Market Call podcast. Today is an equity-focused podcast episode, and that's why we have you, Peter Garnery, on the line. Hello, Peter. Hello, son. Great to be on. Great to be on. And you are on from your home office, I should just say, if anybody is uh, thinking about the sound quality there, but I think it's you're going through crisp and perfect. Today, Peter, we're going to talk about uh, basically the thing that everybody's talking about uh, these days in terms of equities, and that is NVIDIA and their earnings report, which is coming out uh, Wednesday after market close in the US. And then we're also going to extrapolate that uh, earnings report uh, and the very, very high expectations there are to it uh, to sort of the greater AI boom, you could say, and what what the status is of AI in terms of equities. But uh, Peter, let's just start with uh, first things first. Nvidia is reporting tomorrow. What's what's your expectations there? Oh, it's 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 always the uh, the question you don't want, right? Because uh, you're committing to try to predict the future. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, there there are very high expectations for this this earnings release from Nvidia um, coming out Wednesday night after the U.S. market close. Uh, analyst. Consensus estimates on revenue is $20.4 billion. So that would be that would translate into a 238% revenue growth rate compared to the same period uh, last year. And then an earnings per share of $4.60. Uh, sense um, that would be a little bit more than 600% increase in earnings per share. So these are just extraordinary numbers. And, uh, you know, just tells you the story of very high expectations. Some on the some of the listeners might say, hey, you didn't answer your question, and that's correct. So <laughs> can NVIDIA beat those expectations? And, you know, a key thing to consider is that these are analyst expectations. You know, the market expectations could actually be even higher. I would, I'm leaning, I don't have a strong conviction, but I'm leaning in favor of NVIDIA actually surprising uh, once more, um, simply because of the latest vibes that we have got, we have gotten from from Microsoft, Palantir, Arm Holdings, uh, Super Micro Computer, etc. A lot of these companies in the AI ecosystem um, suggesting that demand is very strong is causing me to lean in favor of a of a of an upside surprise from Nvidia. Um, so the question is, okay, so even if they beat against the estimates for the previous quarter, what about the outlook for the current quarter? Maybe you know. You know, further into the future, so Nvidia has been very reluctant to commit to uh, a long, longer-term guidance. They haven't guided more than one one quarter out. I think last quarter, maybe they sort of vaguely indicated uh, their expectations for a couple of quarters out. It just tells you the, that it's very difficult for Nvidia to predict the uh, the end-user demand for their AI chips and you know their whole product suite of chips. Uh, chips. So <clears throat> uh, the question is whether they can whether they can surprise on the guidance as well. Again. Not, I don't have strong convictions, but I'm leaning in favor that they can actually surprise both against the the current consensus estimates, but also on the guidance for this. And then from there on, I think it will increasingly be difficult to exceed those expectations. I, I really sense that you know, the overall sentiment around AI stocks probably have gone into a hyperdrive uh, or hyper mode that is not sustainable. Um, so, but maybe we can talk a little bit more about that. Uh, 
Yeah, I think I, I think let's let's save that for a little bit later in the podcast because I just wanna. I, I think it's totally fair with you not having strong convictions, and but obviously the market has very high conviction or not conviction, but expectations to this uh, this uh, report, and and that in itself is of course fine, but isn't it quite remarkable that we see such a big company making this amount of money, continuing this kind of growth? I mean, I, it it must be historic. I well, it's always difficult when we talk about history uh, because we have bad data going back. But I will say that for a company of this size, so over a trillion dollar in market value, uh, you know, forty-five billion in revenue in the past twelve months, fast approaching uh, eighty billion dollars, um, definitely annualized on run rate, uh, profit margin of fifty-five percent. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this before. Um, so in that sense, it's historic. I'm beginning to buy more and more into that the two trends in society with the obesity drugs uh, from Eli Lilly and Novo Nordis combined with what we're seeing in AI is mimicking a little bit of the roaring 20s in the US where people got extremely excited about mass adoption of electricity. So electricity started decades before the 1920s with uh, J.P. Morgan being the first one as a private system, one of the, at the time, I think the the wealthiest, or probably one of the wealthiest guys in in, uh, in the in the U.S., got electricity installed by Edison and his company uh, in his private home. But it was not until the 1920s when electricity really took off. It changed the U.S. society, changed the global economy. At the same time, you had something called Fordism, which was basically the mass scale up of uh, of uh, of car production, and that also uh, those two technologies combined unleashed a huge productivity boost. And it's the same we're seeing with uh, with AI uh, this time around, so so maybe it ha- maybe we have seen previous examples as crazy as this, but in in recent memory, this is just extraordinary. And and you can also see from the from the options prices that you know typically Nvidia moves around on apps uh, in an absolute terms around four percent in the one day around the one day of the of the earnings release, but the um, the option market is pricing in an almost eleven percent one day move for this earnings release. I I think it tells you a little bit about what's at stake here but also how uncertain it is. And it's because the higher expectations, the higher growth rates are, the, 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 um, the, more, the higher the likelihood is that there could be a surprise. Um, so that, I think, is, is, what is what the options market is basically telling us. And I guess that sort of relates the idea that, that this time around people can get, for instance, if they come out with a relatively uh, ba- bad earnings release, then people can get very disappointed and then all of a sudden maybe panic and also maybe extrapolate that to the wider AI uh, sector, uh, which we will talk about later, right? Yeah, exactly, because NVIDIA is the, is, is the, uh, what, what, you know, is part of the, it's, it's part of the stunning point in the value chain. So they, they really, they really, uh, they really like they they producing the you know they're not like a they're not like a mining company because they're not extracting the the raw uh, the raw uh, you know, output they're not extracting silicon for the for the chips themselves but they are they they're producing the AI chips so they're really early on in the supply chain and whatever they see in terms of demand will will definitely uh, you know cause a spillover effect into how the market is pricing other AI related stocks which are at a different point in the in the value chain they are more on the application side of things and and, and that is where the recent excitement has uh, has come from is that, is that 
you know, these signals that Palantir sent and also Microsoft. I, think, I know the Wall Street Journal had a, a very interesting article where they surveyed a lot of companies that are uh, spending a lot of dollars, to say the least, on trying to implement this technology and, and how they, you know, what their initial reaction was to the, um, to the, uh, you know, the output, the utility of this AI technology. And so far, it seems like they, you know, most of the companies that the Wall Street Journal surveyed were quite positive and optimistic about this technology. So that has really fueled the rally. And it's, I think really ARM, ARM, um, ARM Holdings uh, and Supermicrocomputer, those are the two stocks that have really caught fire recently in the AI ecosystem and really being you know the most talked about stocks on in, in the various Reddit forums and really have, you know, really, you know, grabbed the attention, if you will, of the, uh, of the retail crowd. So, I mean, if we look at the past eight earning releases, uh, NVIDIA has beat on uh, both revenue and earnings per share in seven of those eight, which obviously talks about or points into the demand of or the very escalating and increasing demand of microchips in relation to or semiconductors in relation to uh, to AI. But what if we were to play devil's advocate uh, a little bit? Would it simply be, if they were going out and disappointing on Wednesday, would that be because the demand falls short, or is there any other reasons why that could be the case? No, I, I don't think we can question the demand and the adoption right now of this technology. That's not really at play here. The, the, the game here is the game of expectations, as we've talked about a couple of times on this podcast. That's really the game we're playing here. So if they miss on the guidance, I don't think it's a, it's a huge signal that suddenly, oh, we can cancel the whole AI trend. It's not going to be as, as powerful as thought. I think just, you know, these are early days and it's very difficult to map out uh, the adoption curve on this technology. And, and so that's basically just the game we are, we are, we are playing here with NVIDIA. But you now, one of the risks that I think you should consider as an investor that we haven't talked about, sir, is that uh, I've, I've mentioned a couple of times before, but one of the, you know, NVIDIA is the, is really, oh, you can call it the, the entire semiconductor industry is the new oil industry. I think the oil industry in its influence on the global economy will will decline over time from this point onwards. And I think the semiconductor industry will just increase. And I think the, the fact that NVIDIA's market value is larger than all the publicly listed energy companies in the U.S. combined tells you that story right there. Um, but one of the key risks for NVIDIA is because it's the new oil industry, the oil industry has always been involved in the geopolitical uh, game and the risks in, in society and the global economy. And that will be the same for NVIDIA as well. It's already happening. The U.S. and China has this trade uh, trade war going on uh, since the Trump administration. So that's eight years ago. It's continuing. And the Biden administration has kept the uh, kept the um, kept it going. And he, his administration has enforced a lot of export controls on AI, advanced AI chips into China. The U.S. is simply worried that China can use these very advanced AI chips for military capabilities and not commercial use. Um, that has caused China to panic. They are, uh, you know, they have uh, set in motion a huge national campaign, a lot of fiscal resources to build out their own semiconductor industry. And they will probably, to some extent, be successful with that in the years to come, although they, they're pretty far behind the U.S., but, they, but they're getting there. But my point with NVIDIA is that, so NVIDIA was exposed to these export controls. And before this, they went into effect, 
you saw a lot of front-loaded demand from China. So obviously front-loaded demand is always a risk because it makes your growth rates look very high, but then there will be hangovers on the other side of that front-loading. Now, NVIDIA was able to turn down something which is called the BUS. The BUS is, um, is, um, is something that is, it's, it's, um, it's something that is part of the AI chip that controls the performance and the, uh, and the speed. And they could turn that down and then make it eligible for export to China. That was sort of their uh, architecture called H800 Hover. Um, and <clears throat> that, was, that was successful for them to, to increase exports to China. But then the Biden administration already has said that they, they probably will you know, make the exports control even more strict or stricter uh, or, uh, on top of what they have already done. So that's the risk. And I think also if you drill down into the geographical split on NVIDIA's revenue, you saw in the previous quarter, almost 15% of revenue came from Singapore. And I think we can all agree on that Singapore's economy uh, and technology sector is definitely not large enough to, uh, so, so they should be 15% of NVIDIA's revenue. I think what is that, what is playing out here, which is I think is is blatantly obvious, is that Singapore increasingly. I know the Wall Street, uh, sorry, the uh, the Financial Times recently wrote that Singapore is increasingly also, you know, being uh, becoming this red flag from uh, from financial regulators in the U.S. and Europe. You know, worries about you know, China, uh, sorry, Singapore increasingly is becoming this money laundering center. At the same time, I also think that Singapore is risking becoming this uh, re-export hub where you have uh, so-called legit, uh, uh, legit companies in Singapore uh, importing AI chips from NVIDIA and then they just basically re-export that into China or Russia or elsewhere because it doesn't make any sense that Singapore would be such a large part of NVIDIA. So I think definitely there is a geopolitical risk that you should be aware of if you're an investor. So more aware of geopolitical risks than demand, at least as the picture is right now. If we expand this discussion to the broader AI theme or sector or whatever you want to call it, to AI, I mean, we've seen searches, as you say, in, in, in a lot of other companies related to this, and, and, and it's it's grown to, to, to remarkable highs. And, and uh, uh, is, it, is it for those the same kind of risks uh, across the sector as you see it, or is, 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 is it different from company to company? I think the risks are very different depending on what company we're talking about. I think NVIDIA, uh, as we just explained, there are some very clear and obvious uh, geopolitical risks around around China. Um, for Microsoft, for instance, um, it's it's very different. It's basically the adoption rate and whether AI systems on the application side of things will uh, will prove to be of high enough value for corporate clients to increase IT spending on these systems. That's sort of, the jury's still out uh, on whether we'll get a fast, a medium, or a slow adoption curve. Um, Microsoft has set their expectations low by already communicating. I don't know whether the market has have picked up on this, but they say that the they expect AI sales to be gradual. That's not really what the market is pricing, so you have a little bit of a difference there. Um, so that's one of the key things. And then there's a whole competitive uh, the competitive landscape. So there's a huge amount of venture capital going in, a lot of startups, and you see them everywhere. And you know the bus around it, both on LinkedIn and and on X, etc. It's all over the place. Um, but on the competition side of things, you've already seen um, companies trying to. Like, I think it was Apple is also going all in on on AI and want to compete potentially against Microsoft in 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 some in some areas. Um, also have Google ramping up. So. 
I think that, and it's something to be aware of as an investor, these are very early days and it's very difficult to predict how this is going to play out. So if you're betting your, uh, your entire house on NVIDIA, I think you're making a mistake. Um, the same goes for Microsoft, etc. I think you really need to have a diversified approach um, to this, for sure. And now, Peter, I know you didn't like my my first question, but now let me see if I can put you on the spot again. Because as you say, don't put your eggs in in one basket uh, in terms of this. But it seems like a lot of people are putting a lot of eggs in the AI basket right now. Uh, and it, in, it, you compared it to the oil sector. You could also co- uh, compare it to the to the IT bubble in uh, in the late '90s and early 2000s. Obviously, we shouldn't call this a bubble because we we don't know if that's the case yet. But but I know that you think we're seeing some tendencies that that could be the direction we're we're in right now. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think the last couple of weeks uh, things have gone pretty crazy. I mean, we at one point we had arm. Um, Arm shares uh, or com- the company valued at uh, at significant equity valuations above where Nvidia is, and Nvidia is already is only already valued. If you if you look at what the com- what you have to pay as an investor for their operating results before uh, depreciation, uh, interest expenses, and taxes, so the operating income, I think you pay around 28 times uh, uh, one for, um, 20, 28 times that one dollar of operating income for NVIDIA, uh, and that's based on a 12-month uh, consensus forward estimate. So that's already you know factoring in uh, future growth, uh, and that's around 100% premium, so twice the level of the S&P 500. And then ARM was even more crazy than NVIDIA. And as I, you know, I had a conversation with a journalist uh, earlier today, and I think it's pr- important to understand or at least acknowledge the you know, your history where um, there are a lot of quant funds have looked at this, you know, the, the, the price that you're paying for uh, for sales. And for NVIDIA, investors or the market is willing to pay 18 times for 12 months forward revenue. And you might be wondering, okay, is that a lot or is it not? Um, well, historically, as you cross the 10x threshold, so you're paying more than $10, uh, $10 for $1 of revenue uh, forward, that has been a pretty solid indicator uh, for future uh, disappointing returns for shareholders. Um, of course, there's always been exceptions. Uh, Salesforce is probably one of the exceptions, but uh, on a, as an average, as an average, um, as an average calculation, you know, stocks that goes into this group with these very high values and they tend to perform badly. So that's again, something to have in mind in NVIDIA. And if you don't trust uh, me on the valuation and you think I'm too negative, uh, one of the most renowned and and, and, and perceived experts on equity valuation, Aswath Damodaran, which is a, a finance professor at uh, New, York, New York University. He recently on the 8th of February, he wrote on his blog, uh, he talked about the Magnificent Seven, and he said, you know, generally, I don't think they are that uh, that overvalued. Um, but then he singled out Tesla and Nvidia. And he said, what's remarkable about those two companies is that he said they are right overvalued unless, and that's the key assumption here, unless you factor in long-term market shares that equates to Nvidia and Tesla becomes the winner takes it all. So basically, a little bit like Google, you get a very excessive market shares relative to everyone else. But then he says that, and history obviously doesn't repeat itself. It could rhyme, uh, but there are historically no 
no, no, no uh, data points that suggest, or at least you could say in history, the car industry and the semiconductor industry have been extremely fragmented, and there has never been a winner takes it all. So it's just again to be a, a, something to really be aware of that if you buy into Nvidia at these current price levels, one of the key assumptions is that Nvidia will be the ultimate winner and they will basically crush the competition across the board in the foreseeable uh, fine to the future. And I think that's a very, very, very questionable assumption to put it put into your to your your models or into your uh, into your decision making. And I guess that's why, Peter, in the beginning you said that maybe NVIDIA will actually surprise positively for this earnings release, potentially. Uh, but in later earnings releases, it might be difficult for them to to follow up on this these expectations because of potentially increased competition or other changes like geopolitical risks unfolding or, or st- stuff like that. I guess that, that, that was your point, right? Yeah, and also, I mean, we've talked about before, like, for instance, in, in the electric vehicles, you know, expectations got ahead of themselves, and then we got higher interest rates, and we got, you know, uh, 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 too slow adoption of uh, of the infrastructure to support electric vehicles that seems to be playing a little bit against the previous growth expectations, and that's why a lot of the electric vehicle stocks are under pressure. There was a recent article in the Financial Times that touched on a super interesting Thing related to AI. So AI is a digital technology. It lives, you know, so to speak, in the cloud. But supporting this entire infrastructure are huge data centers around the world. And you're beginning to see countries like Germany, South Korea, Ireland, even in the US, not so much in the US, but it's beginning in some states, rejections again, building permits for new data centers. And in the very case of Ireland, the reason is that by only by 2027, based on already approved projects, they expect that 25% of all electricity consumption in Ireland will be for data centers only. And here is the conundrum. You cannot have the current growth rates in AI technology, the, the ones that we are seeing, continue at these levels without hitting a physical limit. And despite it as a digital technology, it, it rests on a foundation in the physical world. And if you cannot expand electricity production and data centers, etc., fast enough, you will hit a limit at one point. And again, that's another risk to consider. But I will say, uh, coming back to the overall discussion about AI, uh, Sun, I think one of, one of the approaches you could have is that, first of all, you can find an ETF. I don't promise that they will be very good. But one way is to try to capture... Uh, two names across the different points in the value chain. So if you start with the foundries, so the foundries are the manufacturers that are actually producing the AI chips. So keep in mind, NVIDIA, and that's also why they have a high pro- uh, profit margin, it's a it's an IP-driven company. So they make the uh, the schematics for the AI chips, but they get them, they outsource the production to TSMC in Taiwan. So if you look at the foundry business, uh, you would cover uh, you would cover that part of the supply chain by investing in Intel and uh, and TSMC. If you go to the chip level, you have AMD and you have Nvidia. Uh, and I should mention, coming back to risk as well. I know it's going to be a little bit long podcast, but I think this is such an important industry uh, and 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 company that so we should you know, do this uh, thoroughly. Uh, Sam Altman, which started OpenAI, he just got the approval from the U.S. government to to launch his own chip company to compete with NVIDIA, right? So there's this notion 
by Jeff, uh, Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon. There, there's nothing like a high profit margin from a company. It sends a signal that there is a business to be made. <laughs> and then he laughed, right? Because that's really the essence, right? So NVIDIA, if you're running a 55% net profit margin, that's a very fit profit margin. There's something to go after there. And Sam Altman is going after that, and he's apparently drumming up financing to the tune of between $1 trillion and $7 trillion has even been mentioned dollars in investment over a, a long period to start this. Okay, so we have established the two names in the foundry and on the AI chips level. On the data center up, uh, on the data center side of things, you have a, a REIT in the US called Equinix. Um, it's the biggest uh, data center operator in the world. There's something called Arista Networks as well. Um, you have the super microcomputer, which is producing some of the racks that goes into these data centers. Um, on the application side, there's a couple of companies that, that people could, could consider. You have Adobe, you have Palantir, you have Microsoft, you have Google. Um, Apple is probably worth putting in there as well. And then in the, and if we go back again in the value chain, I actually forgot to mention ASML because if you, if you want to produce these very advanced AI chips like one, two, and three nanomillimeter, you're using these uh, lithography machines that carve out um, very, very ultra thin uh, lanes in the silicon wafers where the where the uh, the electrons are, are moving, and, um, and and those machines are very advanced and they're produced by SML. They actually have a 100% market share. They have a monopoly in these extreme ultraviolet uh, lithography machines. So that's another stock that you can consider uh, as well. So you know the ecosystem of AI is evolving uh, pretty rapidly. But I think what we have mentioned here a couple of names across the different points in the value chain that an investor could consider. I think, Peter, what's clear from this is that uh, obviously there's a lot of opportunities in this. There's also uh, some key risks, both in terms of geopolitical risks and adoption speed and and whatnot, and also just the sheer expectations to uh, to AI generally. Do you have anything else you think we should add before we close down? Otherwise, I'm sure that we'll be back talking about AI uh, before we know it, because it's just going so fast and it's such a critical element in the... Uh, Financial markets is really driving the markets these days, uh, at least to some extent. Uh, no, I think we have. I think we've covered a lot of things. So I think um, if you listen to if you have listened to this podcast and you went as far uh, uh, at this point in the conversation, I think you're pretty well equipped to to um, to to, uh, to think about and and interpret the the earnings release that we'll get from Nvidia, and uh, we'll definitely come back and talk more about the AI, the semiconductor industry, and Nvidia for sure. And uh, well, I'm just super excited. I'm I'm actually quite. Uh, I'm looking really looking forward to this earnings release. I think it will be very 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 important for the equity sentiment and where we go from here in in U.S. equity markets. And if you feel like you should be even better prepared, uh, I can only uh, ask you to go into our website and then find the recent article that Peter wrote about NVIDIA and this AI boom generally. It's an excellent piece. But uh, Peter, thank you so much for joining us and uh, making us all smarter on AI. Uh, And to all of you out there, thank you so much for listening. And on behalf of everybody here at the Saxo Market Call podcast and here at Saxo, happy trading.